I'm Matt Downing, and welcome to Diving Deep EDU. Curious conversations with all types of peeps. Encouraging innovation, we are diving deep. Certainly education is what we like to speak. Fervent with dedication, now it is time to teach. The Diving Deep EDU podcast aims to have thought-provoking conversations that help listeners dive deeper into educational practices with a focus on teacher retention, recruitment, and burnout. Subscribe to the Diving Deep EDU podcast newsletter to get more information about this podcast and these topics. Link is in the show notes. Our guest today is Dana Goodyear. Dr. Goodyear has taught world languages and English and has worked in the middle school and elementary school level as an administrator. She often speaks professionally, writes blogs for the Teach Better team, and is the author of Out of the Trenches Stories of Resilient educators, which will be linked in the show notes. Dana, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I want to start the conversation off by you telling us a little bit more about the work that you're currently doing. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Yes. So at this moment, um, I'm actually working um, to support uh, the co-teaching efforts in this school district I'm in uh, with the English language learners. So, Mm. you know, after the relaxation, I would say, of um, entry rules for, you know, refugees and immigrants alike. Uh, There's a large influx of um, English language learners throughout the district and where I'm in, it's, um, it's kind of from everywhere, right? Yeah. So um, the district has had a co-teaching model for at least 10 years, and it works really well at the elementary level. But at the secondary level, it is a little bit harder to, um, you know, have it look like um, it should. So mm. a lot of, um, when you think co-teaching a lot of the time with the English language learner teacher or a special ed teacher, you think of somebody who's kind of just a guide on the side or just, um, a support person. And, uh, what I'm trying to support, uh, more is to have this teacher be more of an active play and more of an active role. Um, ideally you should not, um, even know who the subject area teacher is and who the English language learner support teacher is. So, um, so working on just um, having them do more team teaching and yeah. parallel teaching, things like that, and um, helping it flow better. Um, you know, there are some new co-teaching relationships mm-hmm. um, in the building and uh, just helping them navigate some of those challenges that may occur. So, um, you know, luckily the district has, um, a lot of, uh, supports built in and training built in, um, you know, so this is more of a embedded, um, practice for the teachers to, you know, learn and enhance their skills. Um, because sometimes it is difficult for a, um, English language learner teacher to know, um, like where to step in, right. Mm -hmm. They're in a social studies, math, or science class, for example. Um, so it's, it's a, um, a new type of position to, you know, use both the coaching skills and some of the admin skills that I have yeah. as well. The training, I've done a lot of, you know, PD for teachers. So, um, it's a, it's a, it's a good opportunity to, you know, uh, step in where, uh, it's needed, um, in this, um, uh, 
you know, extra, um, I would say, added um, number of students we have this year so we can mm-hmm. have more of these teachers support our students. Now, what have you seen as you're trying to get the the support teacher to take more of an active role or the EL teacher to take more of an active role? What have you seen to be helpful in that process? Really asking them, what can you bring to the table, right? Um, For so long, it's been, you know, if it's a language arts teacher, they might have taught the same thing for years. What can that um, EL teacher how can they maybe add some of these uh, word uh, walls or, um, you know, sentence starters, things like that? How can they uh, use their language expertise Mm -hmm. in helping uh, the students understand it better? And it's not that they're only helping the uh, multilingual students, right? They're they're helping all the students in the class because because ideally the students are not supposed to know that there's even this EL teacher in there, right? Okay. They're just, there's two teachers. Yeah. They have the advantage of having two teachers. So um, you get the, you get two for the price of one basically, yeah. right? Um, so it's a lot of just um, supporting during co-planning, yeah. helping them. Um, you know, there's a, there's a special uh, planning template we use. Uh, it's called the laser. It's an acronym for language and, and, uh, what kind of supports we're using are you kind of going down the list of LASER. So, um, really making sure that we're not just writing, okay, this is what we're doing Monday through Friday, but also what are we doing for the language and the academic supports and, and those types of things, what are the scaffolds, et cetera. Yeah. Now, when you're thinking about the content area teacher, especially with with secondary, right, because this is where you mentioned that's been a little bit more difficult. Right. So when you're thinking about secondary and the content area teachers, what's a a misconception that you've seen as you've worked with a number of teachers and you're trying to build this uh, team teaching model with the EL teacher and the content area teacher? What's a misconception that you've seen from the content area teacher and their approach to working with EL students and or the EL support teacher? I think a misconception for uh, in terms of the students could be that, you know, for the newcomer students who uh, what we call NEP um, uh, students, they might be unable to access the content. Mm. Um, however, uh, so the, a lot of schools have done um, in the past, or do the pull-out model with the newcomer students, right? Uh, but something that the, t- the the district supports and something that I've always supported, because I've been in the situation myself as a language learner, is if you're immersed in the classroom, you're picking up more of the language, right? Mm-hmm. But having mm-hmm. that extra teacher, there is that support for those newcomer students, providing them with extra ways of accessing the content. Yeah. Um, it's, it's difficult sometimes for the content area teacher to understand like, well, this person barely knows any English. So how are they going to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, take this assessment or something? So that's, that's kind of um, one of those ways of really uh, helping them understand immersion and yep. um, accessing it through those scaffolds. Um, and then something that can be difficult with uh, the teacher to teacher relationship is um, really release of control, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> From yeah. that subject area freak. teacher, right? <laughs> yeah. um, ideally, so in the elementary classroom, it works better because there, there often is that room um, for the other teacher to have like a desk or a work area or a station because you have so many of these stations, right? But mm-hmm. in the secondary classroom, 
it's more that this EL teacher is floating from yep. one class to another and they, they might have an area in the classroom that they have their supplies, but um, it's really um, helping the continuary teacher release, you know, a significant part of the instructional piece in the classroom and not just be that stage on the stage, yep. Yep. you know, hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it, because it can so easily um, fall to the EL teacher, just being that support and mm-hmm. really not saying much except yep. for helping some of the kids. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to have a warm body or somebody yeah. who feels like they're a para. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So many school districts have, have different models like yeah. on how this takes place. So you have a team teaching model and some of our listeners might be listening and they're thinking, trying to connect it to their district, right? So mm-hmm. how does it relate to their district? How, how is it the same? How's it how is it different? So one question I have for you is this team teaching model, is this like an everyday thing? So the talking about the, the secondary level, so you have your uh, math teacher, are they going to have an EL teacher with them every day? Or is it on a rotating basis? Can you give us a little bit glimpse, a little bit of a glimpse into this model? So I mean, it depends on the schedule of the school. And a lot of the schools are you know, same classes every day. I mean, there's a few secondary schools that might have a block a few days a week. So yes, that teacher is assigned if they're in period one math, that's where they are every day. Oh, wow. Period period two, social studies, et cetera. So um, ideally they should only be working with two teachers, two different teachers per day. Some of them will work with three teachers per day. Um, There are some even teachers in the elementary level who are working with like five teachers, but that's not right. Right. Yeah. Um, So that way they have the opportunity. We don't want to have them work with too many different teachers because they need the time to co-plan once a week. That's right. And sometimes if the continuary teacher has a planning period when they're supposed to be in a class, they do have to unfortunately leave the class they're supporting in once a week for a half an hour to go plan. Um, But, you know, that's a very important piece to have that Mm -hmm. as a, um, you know, way that they know who's doing which part of the lesson. Um, They can also do the daily check-ins right at the end of the period or whatever. If, you know, often you don't get to what you were going to teach that day. Right. So I'll do this tomorrow. You do that. um, And this is how we'll, we'll, um, you know, tag team. Yeah, well, it sounds like a great program and helping to support the students, helping to mm-hmm. support the teachers. I've seen a lot of push-in models and they're yeah. push-in, meaning the teacher will push in for maybe like a half hour a week. Yeah. And that is so different uh, from what you are you are articulating in a sense of like a true, and this is how you started it off, but I wasn't, I wasn't really sure that's what it actually was, but a true team teaching model yeah. with an EL expert. And then you have your content area and they are doing it together every day. And then you're trying to have them develop a true team teaching with collaboration and so forth. So it's exciting to, to hear what you have going on. And I'm sure it makes a big impact, uh, you know, definitely for the students and also as you're building this program for mm-hmm. the teachers and, and for the school district. Dana, you have a book out, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, and also a podcast by the same name, Out of the Trenches. As you think about this book, what was your motivation behind writing the book? Really, I wanted to have a platform to not only highlight some of the stories uh, of guests that I've had in my podcast, but also weave in my own story, right? Um, You know, when I have guests on my podcast, I ask them about 
tell me a time you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out. Yeah. Some people say they're still in the trenches or it's a <laughs> perpetual trench, right? Um, I, you know, I tend to try to think positively. Um, I'm a, somebody who's, you know, had many roles in different districts. Um, and I think that is, for me, it's really been a, um, it's been something that's given me a, a wide variety of experience that helps, right? Helps me shape me as an educator mm-hmm. because, you know, I've worked in high social economic settings and I've worked in title one schools as well. I've worked in schools that have great and positive school culture and, um, you know, students take pride in the school. I've worked in the opposite. Right. So, yeah. um, and so, you know, in some of the situations that I talk about in the book, it's like, I find myself starting to go into a trench and maybe mm-hmm. maybe decide to take a different route or, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I talk about, so a lot of the time I think in, in, I, I said this on another podcast, but like not to harp on people who've written books about their people that have supported them. But a lot of the time when I've been in these trenches, I've had to find my way out. I've had yeah. to look for places at, or, you know, online support or whatever it is outside of the building. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's taken that experience to know like where to look, where to get the support, where to take courses, what road to travel next, um, and not give up. Cause that's my main message is like, we're in it, um, for the long haul, you know, a few years ago when everything was, you know, virtual or hybrid, you know, I remember, um, it was at, uh, principal EL had these shirts that said, um, uh, I'm staying or I forget exactly what mm. he had, you know, I'm, I'm here to stay. So that was, that was, that's kind of my message. Like I'm, I'm still standing. I'm, yeah. I'm in it um, for, you know, my why. Right. Mm-hmm. And I talk about how my why has changed um, kind of what experiences changed that why, you know, how I'm still striving for the next level. But, you know, I, I, I don't all only write the book for the story piece, but I also write it to give readers some tools um, to navigate through some of their yeah. trenches, right? And yeah. reflection questions. And it's something that you can use in a PLC or, you know, if you're a mentor teacher, you can work with a mentee uh, through the book or, you know, same thing with an instructional coach and a teacher or an admin and teacher they're working with Mm -hmm. to just kind of have those discussion pieces, because I think that's so important. Um, And that's something I didn't, as I said, always receive is that support person that you can lean on in the building um, who you can go through some of these questions and um, really reflection about what your practice is and what's your why. Yeah, those are important things, and it's important for educators to hear that and mm-hmm. to be able to go along with those stories because we've all been there, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. How do we get out? And and that's why your book is is so important. As you think about many of the things that you've learned uh, from this book and from hearing these stories, I'm sure there were many, many, many takeaways. But as you think about this now, mm-hmm. what are a couple that sort of rise to the surface as big takeaways uh, from this book? Well, um, one of the people that I wanted to definitely have on my podcast when I started out, because I'd been in touch with them earlier that year was Rick Jetter. And, you know, he's put out um, educational rehab. He's put out the hundred stop series, you know, for 
teachers should stop doing and now leaders should stop doing. So, you know, what his story was just something he'd gotten himself in a deep trench. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was addiction and it was something that he, you know, had to go through rehab actually to make sure he was fit to, you know, be in a school again. And, you know, it was just, it was a combination of both mm. addiction, but also depression. And um, in his book, um, School Leader Dunk Tank, he talks about some of these, like the underbelly of education that we don't really talk about, right? <laughs> and and it's not only necessarily people that are addicted, but also people that are in these situations where they could be blackballed or mm-hmm. you know uh, you hear about like you're yeah. in this toxic work environment and what happens in his book you know people are anonymous but these are stories that mm. unfortunately happen too often in education because a lot yeah. of time people who get the power are not always you know they the leaders are not always people that they should put in those positions yeah. so yeah. you know i think that is a powerful story for readers uh, to hear kind of how he navigated his way and then came came back to education first. He went from being an assistant superintendent to then taking several years off to work through his problems. And then he was a teacher again, and now he's oh, an assistant cool. director of a, of a school. But, you know, and I also talk about people who help, um, you know, in another way that's not um, any, that's no longer in the classroom or in a school that, mm. you know, for example, Sherrianna Boyle, who, uh, has emotional detox. Um, so she's written several books on that. She used to be a school counselor. So, you know, how she navigated through her story, but now helps educators in, uh, you know, really detoxing some of these feelings mm. and, and working through mindfulness practice and, and things like that. And, you know, a, a lot of the time, I think, you know, a few years ago, people were hearing too much self-care, right? But mm. it's like, you take it, and you, t- you take small bits of it. It's like, mm. you do what works for you. Um, you're not, you don't have to implement a mindfulness practice or exercise practice, but uh, doing bits uh, and pieces of that will definitely help you get through the day during the hardest days. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this at the very end of December, right? And it's not <laughs> an easy time when kids <laughs> are not willing, you know, it's a hard hard couple of days to be in school, mm. right? Right before Christmas. So um, you're getting through those tough days, right? As you write these stories and as mm-hmm. you've told these stories and compiled them and, you know, and we can even bring in your podcast as well, but focusing on your book, what has surprised you? People's willingness to share, I think. Mm. Um, you know, I, I recorded several of these episodes um, in the first couple, you know, six months of having the podcast. And then I wrote a contract a little over a year after the podcast had launched for the book. And just, you know, I, of course, reached out to these people and asked if I could highlight their story. And, you know, it's not just something that's audio now, it's also in print, right? Yeah, that's and cool. just their willingness to um, want to use their story to help others. Mm. Um, you know, all the other guests that I've had just on the podcast, really, um, just their willingness to want to, um, be vulnerable, um, to highlight their, um, journey as something that's helped them grow because that's my, that's one of the goals of the podcast and the book is like, these might be tough times, but they, they help you grow and, uh, find your way in how you serve students. 
Yeah, without a doubt. One reason that your book and your podcast stuck out to me is because it connects deeply with teacher retention. Mm -hmm. So you've learned a lot, right, from just your experience with yeah. education and then getting a doctorate and moving on through through different roles. But you've also learned a lot through these stories and you've been able to talk to people and have deep conversations with people to get new understandings that other people wouldn't be able to have. So as we think about teacher retention and lessons you've learned from your book and your podcast, what do you think keeps teachers in the profession? Well, I think um, it's really knowing why you started out in education. Mm. Um, it's knowing that um, you're making the difference with the students. It's having the opportunity to um, develop relationships with students, even those students who are the toughest to get to, right? Yeah. Um, it's also um, making sure that you're taking time for yourself, um, you know, that you're taking some of those sick days if need be. Mm -hmm. um, it's um, getting professional development that might not just be what the district is telling you to take, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, I we know that, you know, uh, there's 50% of teachers who leave the profession with, within three to five years. And mm -hmm. Really, if you're going into education, sometimes, you know, you, you go in right after college or some people do it as a second or third career, but really kind of knowing what you're going into, um, you're exposed to that a lot of time during student teaching, but you're, as I, I even talk about in the book, like the student teaching um, placement might not be at all similar to where you actually end up mm -hmm. working, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so it's really understanding, like, how can you support the kids in that role um, where you're at? Um, and, and also knowing that, like, you might not be a fit at that school, but there are other mm -hmm. opportunities there. Right. So don't give yeah. up if you have a year that might be difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there are a lot of people that do. Um, yeah. They might not even have a backup plan. Right. But they, they just leave education altogether. Um, so. And then it's funny, like, where, where other, if there are people that want to leave uh, the building, where, where are other places that you can serve or different types of roles that you can look into that still serve um, in the educational field? Yeah, that's helpful to think and consider and reflect on what keeps teachers in their profession. Yeah. Now, as you've seen teachers leave, right, whether it's personally, people you've talked to, or anecdotally, what do you think is driving them out? of the profession of teaching? Yeah, I would definitely say it's a lack of support. Mm. It's, um, it's difficult situations with students that they don't know how to navigate. It's mm. um, maybe sometimes parental conflicts. Those can really bring you down, right? Because yeah. as we know, mm. we've seen that comic, you know, it's the parents blaming the teachers. It's not blaming their kids. It's <laughs> a lot of the time, you know, the teacher is yeah. the, the scapegoat. Mm -hmm. Um so it's really knowing like what to do in those types of situations where it seems like the parent isn't responding um, appropriate, like what we'd say would be appropriately to an email about students not working. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's not taking things personally. That's, that's a big piece, right? That's something yeah. I write about as well. Um, and it's, um, it's really plugging in with those organizations, whether they be online through Twitter or through places like the Teach Better team, or they be statewide organizations. Uh, where can you both um, get some of the PD, but where can you also uh, be active and um, maybe take on a leadership role in an organization? So I'm on the statewide um, foreign language teachers organization, and you know we have 14 
um, board members. And a few of those are within their third year of teaching. So, you know, people that are new and actually get into these roles where they, you know, they're, they're helping serve the greater good uh, through, you know, helping in a teacher's organization Hmm. uh, can really go a long way. And then they see like the full circle of what they're doing, how that influences others. And, you know, they're in that team as well of Mm -hmm. those, those educators that they can lean on. You mentioned support for teachers, and I, I hear that as well. Like, I'm not getting support. I'm not getting support. Mm-hmm. What do you think, like, what what do teachers want that support to look like? You know, it looks like different things. I think uh, what they would want that to look like is probably somebody checking in on them occasionally, um, maybe taking them out for coffee, right? <laughs> taking them out for lunch. Um, it could be that grade level or subject area colleague. Uh, I think a lot of teachers want um, an admin who sees them, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I definitely felt like I was ignored <laughs> when I was in the classroom um, in a fairly new teacher, right? Because, you know, often the admin have 25 to 40 teachers on their evaluation list, and they might only see you once a year. And you feel like you're just a yeah. person on a checklist, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when you have an admin who is really trying to build relationships, who asks you questions about mm-hmm. like your interests outside of teaching. Right. Um, and that's like, as somebody who's, who's been an admin, it's like, yeah, it, it's taking the effort to build those relationships. Mm-hmm. It's taking the effort to be in classrooms throughout the day and do those walkthroughs and not just do something when it's observation time. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think those are some of the things teachers want. Um, but they also, when they're, when you talk about admin, they don't want somebody who, um, is going to be like um, judging them, right? Mm-hmm. Or somebody that they're going to be nervous about having in their classroom. So yeah. it's more of that support um, person for them. Um, eventually, yes, they do have to do an evaluation, but I think it goes a long way when you have somebody who is often in your classroom and seeing what the kids are doing yeah. rather than just uh, for that evaluation piece. Um, it's also uh, somebody who is able to access um, some of these outside, you know, whether it be PD conferences, uh, maybe financial support from your school uh, to attend or be a member of these organizations as well. Yeah, that's interesting. What you're proposing sounds almost too easy, right? The, The administrator needs to build a relationship and go into the classrooms and support the teachers Mm -hmm. and be there for them, right? But oftentimes, I mean, I've experienced it. I went, I think, three years with no evaluation. Yeah. (laughs) So the the principal would just call me at the end of the year, hey, can you sign this? All right, yeah, I'll sign (laughs) whatever. But that wasn't really helpful for me, you know, and it wasn't, and it's not helpful for the teacher. You know, you being on both sides of of the wall, right? Or it's not really a wall, both sides of the line, being an administrator, being a teacher. What keeps the administrator, like teachers want them in the room, right? What keeps the administrators from going into the room and offering just ongoing support that the teachers want? What's a roadblock there? A lot of it is um, delegation of tasks um, Mm. and the busy work that the admin have, right? Because you're always going to have the paperwork. You're always going to have the evaluations to write or, you know, um, 
if it's a, like an incident report, um, uh, if there was a fight or something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're always going to have to enter Interesting. the data entry and stuff, but it's really knowing who you can lean on to do that. Uh, your admin um, assistant can do a lot of these things. Hmm. Um, you know, it's taking the parent phone calls, right? Uh, when they interview people for AP jobs, they always give you a list of four things that are like pressing issues. Like, you know, the fire drill went off. There's a parent, <laughs> irate parent who's waiting to talk to you. So those things like, where, what do you do first, right? Of those four things. Mm. And it's like, really, it's knowing where to best um, plan your day. There's going to be a lot of unknowns in the admin's mm. day, yeah. but making an intention to get into those classrooms I've used uh, Justin Bader's 500 classrooms model. He wrote a book on um, 21 days to high performance leadership where he talks about getting into 500 classrooms a year. So oh, wow. um, it's making sure that you um, are intentional about that because that goes a long way with school culture. Mm-hmm. When that author's going into classrooms, about how long is the author spending in, in classrooms to get to 500 in a year? So you start out at the beginning of the year, you take a, a couple weeks and you just do those walkthroughs that can be five to 10 minutes max, right? Okay. But then you intentionally, so you build up lists, you know, of, of teachers, it could be based on where they are in the building. Um, but also you can, you know, you do cycles, right? So maybe the third month of school, then you start going into certain teachers' classrooms for 20 to 30 minutes, right? And um, you have different feedback for it. So there's a lot of things that you can use. Oh, interesting. He has on his site, the principal center. Uh, but you know, that are more of that just walkthrough versus feedback forms versus um, when you're actually doing um, uh, the evaluation. But it's all part of looking under the uh, tip of the iceberg, because what a lot of these admins see when they do the once a year evaluation is just seeing like what's at the tip and not really seeing the teacher practice that lies underneath. You see what you see Mm. that's planned that day of the the evaluation. And that's a dog and pony show. (laughs) Okay, so that's helpful. So you also give us a lens into what the administrator's dealing with and, you know, the nonstop, you know, events or emergencies or different things that mm-hmm, sort of keep mm-hmm. them from getting into the classrooms. And that's good to be understanding of that and realize because uh, there's got to be a reason. If I'm in buildings and, and there's no principals getting into the classroom, so why is that? And maybe they need support or administrative mm-hmm. support to help them with some of their tasks. So, yeah, so thanks for that insight. Dana, it's time for the final word. What would you like to say to close out this podcast? Well, I want listeners to remember that, as I said, it's not personal. If you're going through a trench, Mm -hmm. um, it's often the environments that you're in. Um, It could be the school culture. It could be the lack of support. It could be the person that you would hope to support you is just going through their own trench and they, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they don't have the capacity. So, um, you find, find your support elsewhere, look for ways, you know, there's so many online, uh, places that you can go to get that support. It's, uh, reaching out to, um, thought leaders. Um, it's listening to podcasts, like, like both of our podcasts, it's reading books. Um, you know, there's so many people out there like myself who are willing to just have a chat with you. If you, um, are going through that trench and don't know where to look, um, so you're not alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's, there's, um, you know, people that have been through much worse and they're still uh, in education. They're in there to make the difference. Before we end, who do you want to give a shout out to? I think I would probably want to mention Rick Jetter again, um, just because of all the work that he's done. 
um, for educators. And, you know, he, he leads pushing boundaries consulting. So he pushes the boundaries <laughs> of what is like the typical status quo, right? Okay. Um, because of like, he wants to invoke change in education and he wants uh, teachers and leaders to um, really be, be able to see beyond uh, what's always been done and how can we improve it? How can we make things better? Dana, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and all of your insight. Listeners, thank you for joining us on the Diving Deep EDU podcast. If you like this episode, subscribe, rate, review, and share it out. Until next time. Wow, it's time to reflect. That's astounding. You've been checking out the podcast from Matthew Downing. Hope you like diving deep like a scuba diver. And the show provoked hope. That's our true desire.